0: Welcome to the Proletarian Contrarian, the podcast where we reevaluate bad films through a leftist perspective. I'm Nick,
1: and I'm Lewis,
0: and we are finally here, folks. We're at officially, arguably, certainly the worst Star Wars movie.
1: <laughs> Atrocious! Just a fucking mess of a movie.
0: I mean, right up until 2015 when the Force Awakens came out, but we'll see oh. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're doing it. We're doing episode two, Attack of the Clones, uh, released in two thousand two, directed by George Lucas, uh, and starring Hayden Christensen and Jar, Jar Binks, And that's it.
1: Yep, that's the only. That's all you gotta know. <laughs> Nothing else matters. Fuck everybody else in this movie.
0: Oh, and count count Dookie. <laughs> count, <Dookie. laughs> count It is count doo It is unreal that they chose that <laughs> for his name.
1: <laughs> right? Because uh, what's his his Sith name? Is like Lord Tyrannus. Dar- Darth, Darth Tyrannus, Tyrannus, which is
0: a little obvious, but like it, it's, it's better than <laughs> Count Dooku. It's than Dooku. It's honestly
1: one of the worst Star Wars names.
0: It's pretty bad. This
1: film has one of the best and worst, and we can either say the best one now or wait for later.
0: Let's just say it, say it right now. Okay,
1: go ahead. Since you love it the
0: most, it's Alan Bagano, who <laughs> is the 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 alien death stick pusher that tries to sell Obi Wan death sticks in the Coruscant nightclub. Um they they tried to change his name to something else in the legends continuity but then George Lucas kept referring to him as Sles Pagano, <laughs> so they just had to change it back to Sles Bagano which wow. is pretty great. Wow. Yeah. Uh, That's incredible. But Brand George Lucas um knowing what's <laughs> best for his saga. But yeah, th- this movie I I haven't we have I haven't done the rewatch of episode 3 yet but as, as far as I'm aware this is the only one of the prequels that um is as bad as I remember, and it's as bad as the the discourse around it um, suggests.
1: You know, which is funny, though, because it has one of the higher Rotten Tomatoes ratings. I think it's a 65%, whereas episode one is somewhere like 54, and I believe episode three is maybe in the middle or even higher than episode two.
0: episode three is definitely... um, the, the standout among the, the normie Star Wars um crowd yeah. as far as the prequels go. So I think that, it has somewhere in
1: like the seventies then seventy percent rating.
0: I, I would not be surprised if the if episode three was in the eighties.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um again, those ratings are all bullshit folks. Um yes, for any film yes. even uh in the early two thousands it's it's a it's a mess and and, and totally nonsensical. Um anyway <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, just just quick addendum to that. The Rotten Tomatoes is a good barometer um, for the audience c- score to like determine a rough uh, yardstick for what like the Internet at large thinks of a movie. And, and that's that is why we bring it up so often. Um, but beyond that, we, we place very little stock in that kind of shit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't understand the algorithm that makes the actual Rotten Tomatoes score. But I agree. The the audience score is always interesting to see. And the audience, yes. <laughs> there's actually audience comments. Uh, there's audience reviews of each episode, yes. oh. of, of, of each movie. Um, and that's, that's quite interesting. It's even interesting when you get into actual film criticism, when you go on like Roger Ebert's website and
0: they're like no, comments
1: geez. to his reviews. Those are fucking great.
0: Like Ebert's original reviews. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Most, um, uh. most websites
1: that have reviews, be it a blog like Roger Ebert.com or, you know, a news source like New York times, they still allow you to mm-hmm. comment. On those articles those reviews so you just have people Incredible. who are just arguing in the comments that this reviewer's dumbass because they didn't like the movie that I liked or I agree with this guy this movie oh, sucks it's it's really the discourse around that is, is something else
0: uh, so anyway episode two attack of the clones <laughs> so yeah I think um, my theory for why this movie turned out the way it did is um, Episode 1 was like this pure passion project for Lucas. He clearly had a very distinct um, plan going into it. And then when it was received the way that it was in the, the horrible fallout from that one, um, he had three years, or less than three years at that point, to scramble and make episode 2. And um, it's pretty clear that he took a lot of that advice to heart. Uh, whether or not he should have is a matter of personal taste. Um, but I... I'm not. I'm not sure how much I believe this, but I, I do think like Jar Jar specifically was supposed to have a bigger presence in this movie, and he was really reduced because um, Lucas is on record as having ha- like having said that Jar Jar was supposed to be representative of innocent people who are taken advantage of by dictators to gain power, um, which which kind of lends credence to our political reading of Episode One and Episode Two and Episode Three. But with with like such a pointed statement about Jar Jar. Um it's interesting that he has such a relatively small role in this one.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting that um perhaps from the beginning he always wanted Jar Jar's narrative arc to look the way it did. But I, I do think it's interesting that um basically Jar Jar um is an unwitting uh you know accomplice to fascism, uh which yes. which allows a lot of fans to just be like, Well, see, I can write off Jar Jar <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean it it's this whole movie it, it is really a mess um going back to the Rotten tomatoes thing the the reason i think so many people like this one a lot better than episode 1 um it, it's just superficial reasons like episode 1 has the trade federation robot army but this movie has the trade federation robot arm or the confederacy of independent systems robot army versus the clone troopers and um we we can get into I'll get into this a little bit later in the in the review but like the clone trooper in Imperial fandom from the Star Wars fandom. Um, it, it's really fascinating. And um, it's so surface level. Like, like people literally just like this movie because it has the introduction of the clone troopers, the phase one clone trooper armor and all their weapons and shit and the cool ships that they have. And honestly, I think that's it. It has it has Jango Fett. It has clone troopers and it has like an army of Jedi fighting an army of bugs and robots. And that, that's why people like this one more
1: yeah i think i mean if we go back to 2002 Youngling lewis um i think that is why i enjoyed this film uh um, yes, probably the coliseum scene uh where we get you know three cool monsters uh we get uh, a bunch of jedi fighting simultaneously and yeah like you said the clone troopers and the the federation forces um, but yeah, you know, it's. I think it really just comes down to the aesthetics of of the stormtrooper armor that we've known and loved since the '70s. Um, you know, it's easily probably the you know the best, the most best-selling merchandise. Probably is is the, the, those costumes, those action figures, those blasters. Uh, outside of probably this, the, you know, the lightsabers themselves um but yeah and this film introduces different kinds of the troopers as well you know you get uh not there's some commanders i think in it like the different colors you see them way more in the in the next film
0: yeah they they you're right they they introduce the idea of like pilot clone troopers and standard troops and commanders and shit and like people people get that shit up um it it this movie did lead to uh two separate tv series um Animated TV series about the Clone Wars. Yep. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, it had the Gendy Tardovsky um, 2D animation series, and then the oh god, I forget his name, Filoni, David Filoni, um, Helm series, the CGI one that looks like Plato. Um,
1: yeah, folks, I would say actually don't watch uh, episode two. Just watch the Gendy Tardovsky yes. uh, <laughs> animated series. It's incredible. It's basically like what six or seven short. Uh, silent films, more or less.
0: Well, there, there's it. The first season, it's literally like twenty very short, like micro episodes that are like five there minutes. There
1: are that each. many? Oh wow! There, I totally forgot a, about that.
0: There, there's a lot. There, there's like more than a dozen. I don't know if there's as many as twenty. Damn! But there's there's a bunch of them, and they're all like very silent films, like you were saying. And then the second, I guess you would call it season, it's almost like a like a feature length movie uh, that that leads right up to Revenge of the Sith.
1: Oh, okay, so that's the stuff that, yeah, that's when Anakin does his, like, trials, right?
0: Yes, and... Um, He's no
1: longer a Padawan and becomes a Jedi.
0: Yeah, and that, and Grievous captures Palpatine and stuff, but that's more episode three. Um, mm-hmm. So, this, <laughs> Attack the Clone sucks so much that we're talking about um, completely unrelated uh, TV shows. <laughs>
1: um, related and better. Related um, and better,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so, I guess... In keeping with stuff that we dislike about this movie, um, I, I can dip into that um, shitty side of the Star Wars fandom that I was referring to. Um, people like the Empire; they like the aesthetics of the Empire. Um, if, if you even dip your toes into like any any online content related to Star Wars, um, the most vocal people online prefer the Empire. They'll say like "Long live the Empire!" "Crush Rebel scum!" All that shit, and that's pretty superfluous. So, like, whatever, do take from that what you will but um i i do think it's interesting that um this very simplistic like children's series of children's movies um you have people like unironically standing for the bad guys and like really buying into standing the bad guys on an aesthetic level because fascism is nothing if not the aesthetic aestheticization of politics and um people literally love the stormtroopers of the other of series.
1: Yeah, I mean there's the 501st, right? I mean there's that charitable organization of people <laughs> yes. who dress up like stormtroopers and go to like do make a wish stuff and go to kids' birthday yes. parties and you know, I don't I don't really know you know um the the breadth of what they do, but it is it's just, you know, middle-aged dudes who dress up like stormtroopers and ostensibly do good things, but like you picked um an interesting choice of attire.
0: To be fair to the 501st, they they like you said they do a lot of charity work and and they are pretty ex- like inclusive. They they welcome anybody. They're they're not. I I wouldn't call it the 501st like an example of toxic fandom at all. Um, but the the Imperial Clone Trooper fans online, and I'm, I'm going to be very judicious in saying this, um, they. I do think there is a not insignificant overlap with the Gamergate kind of like toxic nerd fandom crowd. Um, that is not to say that all people who appreciate the aesthetics of like the bad guys in Star Wars are are anime Nazis, but it is to say that th- there is not a small number of them that kind of share those tendencies. And um, I don't know, it's just an interesting example of like real world politics and the aesthetics of of this very simplistic story of resisting fascism, um, kind of bleeding into each other.
1: Yeah. I think it's fair to say that the 501st would be like the bespoke version of that fandom and, uh, everybody else, like literally everybody else is the, is the broke version. There's no woke in between. It's like, that's a,
0: it's very polarized. The woke could be like, mandalorian fans who tend to be like a little more <laughs> a little more well read on the star wars expanding universe and clone wars fans so they're kind of like libertarians and that they're like 25 mm. percent woke but 75 percent just committed to being like selfish fucks who like the cool armor yeah i, th- I think um i think sith fans because like there are no real J- like super serious jedi fans out there but like sith fans are like just like black pill people who like just love red lightsabers and that's it they're like even dumber than like fascist clone trooper fans
1: yeah that's probably fair. Um, well, I think we have uh, we've done enough judging of uh, fandom for this episode. We, I mean, we always do. It has. To, it's yeah. maybe that's a new segment: judge the fandom.
0: Uh, <laughs> <That's, yeah. laughs> and it will pop up again, even when we get into the things that we supposedly like about this movie.
1: Yeah, but um, I would say if we do continue to judge fandoms, we will judge the Marvel fandom uh, even more hardcore than this.
0: Oh my God! Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> what else do we had about this movie? Yeah, uh, the dialogue is kind of really, dialogue really is, shitty.
1: It's wretched. Um, yeah, like we said earlier, Dooku is just the dumbest name, but also it's just a waste of Christopher Lee. I mean, you have like the most well-known actor by far in this in the prequels, and um, I mean, we don't see him until like what the last forty minutes of this movie, and this movie is like two hours twenty.
0: Yeah, yeah, he. Um he pops up like two thirds into the movie.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're just supposed to know who he is because of the opening crawl. Like they mentioned Count Dooku's doing some bullshit with the separatists. And then I, I forgot that we didn't see him until, until that late until we get on the planet of Genosis. Like I was really surprised by that.
0: Um, I I think that's a really, really telling example of Lucas kind of like, I don't know if he like, like writing these by the seat of his pants or whatever. Um, but it's it's a really good example of one of the few unplanned aspects of the prequel trilogy because he Dooku was supposed to be Qui-Gon Jinn's uh, master, or right? Master, like Jedi yep. Master, mm-hmm. and um, for such uh, for such an influential figure, he is completely not mentioned in episode like Episode One. He's completely absent.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I forgot about um, him being uh, Qui-Gon Jinn's master, and really, that's just a line of dialogue. That's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, when uh, when Obi-Wan's captured he's he's hanging up in his uh hover prison he's just like mm-hmm. remember i was your master's master i'm like i don't remember that no one yeah. knows this except the characters in this movie and they actually yeah. don't seem to care very much at all
0: <laughs> no it it's it it has no significance and um it's it's a pretty glaring and weird continuity like bump which is odd yeah the whole the whole movie it's it's very it's very weird like Anakin and Obi-Wan are supposed to be master and apprentice and they're supposed to be like so have such a good relationship and it's such a tragedy when they they fight later on but like they they don't share much on-screen time together. I I would be really interested to see if like anyone's tabulated this but like I think Anakin and Qui-Gon might have more on-screen time together in episode 1 <laughs> than Anakin yeah. and Obi-Wan in episode 1 and episode 2 together.
1: It's possible. I mean they're they're apart for the majority of this film because Obi-Wan, well, I guess we can go into a little bit of the plot here. So uh, the film starts 10 years uh, in film time uh, uh, between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, um, which gives them time to replace Jake Lloyd entirely as opposed (laughs) to uh, Jake Lloyd's puberty kicking in. Um, They hire Hayden Christensen to play Anakin. uh, And then, uh, yeah, so Anakin is... Qui-Gon's Padwan, or sorry uh, Obi-Wan's Padawan they are hired as a like security detail basically for uh, Queen Padme who is now a senator um, and then there is um, a, a hit put on her which then uh, causes uh, Obi-Wan to become like a private investigator more or less and figure out who devise this hit on her which leads him to the clones and keeps him apart from Anakin and Padme for the majority of this film basically
0: and I mean I I, I do think one of the one of the issues is having such a big time jump between episode one and episode two Mm -hmm. because a a lot happens that like is literally just that is just dumped on you through dialogue and um I do think they they had always intended to age up Anakin from episode one um but they they a lot a lot of what is mentioned in the background like the whole the whole idea of this renegade jedi master literally purchasing an army for the new republic like to fight whatever like shadow threats like th- that is explained in 2 minutes of dialogue and like that could have been the plot of episode 2 <laughs> and that like there's there's a lot more there and um yeah i don't know the the whole time time frame is is very strange
1: I wonder if they did the chime jump specifically because um, the clones have to age at like two times speed of like a normal human so I wonder if that was their way in continuity of uh, having you know adult clones basically because if you're you know if you're if it's 10 years that means the clones are aging 20 years which would then be kind of soldiering age so I wonder if that's why they did that.
0: Well, the, that, that idea had been around for a little while. Um, that That's an idea that they that was like in the Legends continuity that clones um, had an accelerated lifespan so they could fight sooner.
1: Yeah, I mean, they mentioned in the film as well, but I'm wondering if that's why they made that 10 year jump because if this person. You know uh, what's his name? What's the Jedi Master who orders Sifo, Sifo Ds? Sifo Ds. Yeah. So Sifo Ds. Once um, you know the Trade Federation does their blockade, basically at the end of uh, you know Phantom Menace, if he orders them, then and then it's ten years.
0: But I mean, they, they could they could just have said that they. they... If they did a time jump of five years in between the two episodes, they could have just said the clones grow four times as fast or whatever. They don't yeah, need to but agree. they're really they, yeah, but
1: they're stupid though. Like the people who wrote this movie are stupid. <laughs> that's, that's the problem.
0: Like, so they were yeah. hampered by the the specifics of the Legends continuity. Yeah. So like, okay, okay, I guess yeah. yeah. I think that's I what it yes. is. Yeah, me too. Um,
1: <laughs> I I forget who wrote this besides Lucas. I mean, Lucas was credited as story, and there's two other guys who actually wrote the script, but I, not the brightest bulbs, honestly. Sure. There's sure. no way. With this dialogue, I mean, we can talk a little bit about the, the political discourse in this film. Yeah. <laughs> it's just...
0: <laughs> the sterling political discourse. Um, so I guess, what, what, what is our, our basic read of this movie? Put in, put in a journalist left spin on it. That, like, k- kind of similar to episode one, that the Jedi and the Republic are, are the failed institutions protecting a neoliberal conception of, um, of democracy, but invariably lead to fascism
1: right they're the incubators of fascism basically these two organizations are where fascism comes from um it's uh, it's undeniable honestly like uh be it you know the the mismanaged senate Um, be it the creation of of a fucking private army, um, just be it the, the inability of the Jedi to literally do anything except become a more and more militarized, like law enforcement agency. Um, and and
0: by, by the end of episode three, they're literally called generals. Like Obi-Wan is called general Kenobi.
1: Right. I mean, I think even by the end of this one, isn't Yoda even called general? No,
0: no, 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 no. So that's Um,
1: later in this, that's the number three.
0: Yeah, which is which is which is a nice little detail like they they start off this they start off episode 1 as like well intentioned but misguided like counselor peacekeepers who can also fight. By episode 2 they're cops, by episode 3 they're they're generals. Like you literally see their militarization in real time.
1: Yeah. I mean, it works with our read. It definitely yeah. doesn't work with the intended read of this film. <laughs> um Whatever the intended read is, honestly. Yeah, I, got I don't it. even know.
0: Cuz Lucas did have a complete story for the prequels in mind for a while. It had been like percolating as he, as he made the originals and as he worked on, worked on producing the the prequels in the intervening years. But, um, he, he's certainly not apolitical. I, I know that like the prequels were certain, were informed by his, his experiences of Watergate and Nixon. He's, he said as much and like his experiences with like the, the, the fiasco of Vietnam and everything. Um, I, so like we, we, no one can accuse Lucas of being like a socialist or anything. No, but um, but he he's certainly not a political. These are intended to have some kind of politics in them, so that's better than nothing.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, there was that story a few years ago where Lucas was like building housing for low income people in um, where does he live? What's uh, uh, Cal- of- California Skywalker, Calif- Skywalker Ranch is yeah. It's in like it's northern in, California. Yeah, I think it is, and uh, you know, a Ritzier area, uh, area of, of you know, um, exorbitant wealth, basically. And his his neighbors are pissed off that he was interested yeah, in no. building this Good. housing. Fuck it's it's yeah. fucking awesome. Um, so you know, kudos to real world George Lucas.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also, um, we here at ProCon are firmly anti-charity. Um, we support appropriate in the the wealth of of the of the one percent and that ultimately would include George Lucas himself but all things considered he he i think he made something like the single largest donation in history when it was made um after he sold uh, star wars to to disney he made something like like some ridiculous number like a 500 million donation to like the public schools of of california or something for like art programs or whatever so hmm. like he he's there are no good billionaires. Like ultimately, he gets he gets yeah. like cool too, but there, you you could find worse ones.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we should take their money now when we can get it. Yes. Um, of course, charity sometimes doesn't even like get used. Charitable donations. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't usually go to the, uh, the the deserving populations. Um, but yeah, take what you can get. Right. Yeah. Um, take as much as it. Uh. For, for now
0: and then all of it <laughs> in the <Yes>. long run <laughs> um so it's all this back to attack of the clones um, no it's it's interesting that the trade federation has found several other partners by this movie um other organizations like the techno union the making clan oh the techno union uh their representative is this cool guy named wat tambor and it's like he has the little translator on him yeah um, yeah the like the beatbox translator um he's he's just a, he's pretty well loved in the community um anyway it's interesting like that there's this cabal of um of capitalists and like billionaires and, and CEOs of different organizations space organizations and um you ca- you have capital literally uh pit against neoliberalism um by the shadowy fascist uh, mastermind behind it cuz um by this movie um palpatine is very clearly playing both sides against each other so no matter who wins like palpatine comes out on top um so like you 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 have money literally fighting this like semblance of representative democracy um but it but it's being but both sides are being puppeteered and and that is like such a very fitting metaphor for uh, 2019 that's, that's kind of like, um, it's kind of eerie.
1: Yeah, the introduction of the Commerce Guild, I think, is what it's called. Although the Techno Union is outside of the Commerce Guild, I was doing some small uh, amount of research uh, there, uh, that I yes. actually wanted to do, <laughs> yes. unlike you, who've indebted your whole life to this. Um, Hell yes. <laughs> so yeah, the Intergalactic Banking Clan and the Trade Federation. Um, and then there's another organization that's introduced in Episode 3, is my understanding. They're called like the capital something or other, um, they're part of the commerce guild and then the techno unions outside of the te- commerce guild, but they, um, you know, they gotcha. they work, uh, they caucus with them here. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, that was like for me, the most interesting, uh, scene and it's maybe five seconds of this movie on, yep. on Geonosis. Um, yeah, I even thought the, um, the, the Geonosians and, um, well there's, there's, they say like thousands of, Of systems or planets have joined the separatist movement. Now, I I, I don't. We don't know the motivations of the the Geonosians. Do you? In the like expanded universe, is there any hint Um, at that?
0: No, but I mean, I'm sure there is. But like, I I don't. I'm not that deep. But I I just think from what the film gives us, um, there are droid foundries on Geonosis. I think that's their primary. Like that's their business. They they make robots. Yeah, their source of income. Um, okay. Yeah, and so if there's a splinter faction that's trying to break away from um, the Galactic Republic, um, it would make sense that oceans like throw their lot in with them because because the Confederacy of Independent Systems um, they they have a huge demand for droids. So like, of course, the oceans would ally with them.
1: Right, yeah, it does it's not like the, the Republican and the Jedi are chomping at the bit to like purchase droids, they're making their own fucking army. So yeah, it makes sense that Jane Oceans are going with the with the Confederacy.
0: Sci fi writers and like sci fi filmmakers, like and, and, and not that I do, but like they have re- they have like a very weird conception of scale because th- there was some number floating around, like in in the entirety of the clone wars, it's written somewhere, like the the CIS produces and use something like one quintillion battle droids damn which is like insane and um if that's true then the geonosians are hey i i joined the i joined the cis in that case too <laughs>
1: yeah um Another um runner up for best name is uh the the Archduke of the Genotions Oh, um, Pog, Poggle I don't the really, Lesser. Yeah, Poggle the Lesser. I don't understand what their how their government's set up, but yeah, Archduke Poggle the Lesser. Uh one of one of
0: the greats. Do you want to hear my Poggle the Lesser um impersonation? I can try to do the Genotion voice.
1: Yes, I think our fans do more than me.
0: We can we can edit this out if it doesn't work, <laughs> but Wow.
1: All right, that's going to get us like five more listens if we put this in the show description, for sure.
0: <laughs> of course, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not being cut, that's in. Okay, good. Uh, but yeah, the Jedi suck in this movie. Um, completely completely expands upon our criticism of episode one, um, Jedi. They are supposed to be like the platonic ideal of this like calm, meditative, zen-like, monk warrior who uh has infinite compassion but is removed from like the petty concerns of everyday life and they just come off like as like a bunch of stiffs it's really it's really weird
1: yeah like you said earlier you know um the progression of like these galactic mediators to cops and then to just like generals um it's uh it's it's great for our read and um, they really just drive the, 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 the notion home throughout this film that the Jedi are just cops. Like, I mean, so first off, they're, they're just basically a security detail, both Obi-Wan and Anakin for, for Padme. Like they even say like, isn't this like below us or something?
0: It, it's, it's in the text of the film. They said like, yeah. we're, we're security detail for, uh, for Senator Amidala.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's really absurd. Um, and, uh, at one point, uh, so, um, while there's security detail, there is like a hit put out against her, which we eventually find out is, is put by, um, uh, Jango Fett, who, um, is the Mandalorian bounty hunter, father of Django Fett. Um, Volsa Icon. <laughs> um, well, actually father of Boba Fett. Did I yeah, fuck that um, up? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Jango yeah, Django f- Fett, father of Boba Fett, Volsa yeah. Icon. Yeah yeah
1: whatever fuck them the Fett family actually um, don't fuck
0: them because he's, full. <laughs> he's <full laughs> so.
1: they don't want it they don't want it folks yeah Django fett puts a, a hit out or well i guess it's actually the the trade federation puts the hit out on pat may uh jango is the mediator but then he also pays another uh oh assassin
0: Django fett is the the mandalorians are libertarians because in true libertarian fashion he just outsources the hard work to someone else <laughs> He can't do it himself.
1: Yeah. Uh so he, he outsources the work to uh, Zam Weasel. What is her last name?
0: Wessel. Wessel.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Zam Wassel, which um what one of the better costumes actually in this film? Like I really I, I like yeah. her costume a lot. Yeah, it's cool. It's really um, it's really unique. Yeah. She has like um sort of like a pith helmet, like a yeah, goggles kind of, on it. It's um
0: But then like weird leather texture over like a bodysuit at the same time
1: yeah yeah we're not doing justice folks but um, she's a cool character she's a, a changeling um, she carries around a uh, uh, just a sniper rifle that that's just like her weapon of choice is the mm-hmm. sniper rifle um, she also uses these two uh, like poisonous worms to kill yeah. Padme. Uh, which is like one of the more absurd uses of a lightsaber in this film yes. is when Anakin like, and Obi Wan are like, Do you sense it? Yes, I sense it. And you know, uh, Padme's asleep. <gasps> that, these worms are about to so kill bad. her. It's so bad. Uh, and then, like, yeah, these worms are about to like sting her or something, inject poison. And then, like, Anakin just goes ape shit with his lightsaber and like whacks both of these fucking worms off of her, cuts them in half. And it's like, like you couldn't use your your force you know like push in this instance you had to use your fucking you know lightsaber here
0: as as a kid i always thought like oh no he cut up her blankets now she needs a new one
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's like you could have cut her fucking head off it's just yeah um yeah but later on like there's this line that i just like could not get over there's two lines but this one is one of the first lines that really like just drills it in that they're just stupid fucking cops. Um, they're in a bar and they're looking for Zam Wassell and, uh, Obi-Wan says to the bar patrons after he cuts her fucking arm off, uh, Jedi business, go back to your drinks or perhaps Anakin says it, but like, and Anakin says it after Obi-Wan cuts her arm off. Yeah. It's absurd that, that, that is literally like, that is what police say. Police business, go back to your drinks.
0: I mean, it, our our theory of the militarization of the Jedi is supported by the actual text and dialogue of this film. Like it's not, it's not a stretch at all.
1: No, it's not a stretch at all. Again, unintended, but like not a stretch, folks.
0: Yeah, the the, the one cool thing about this whole sequence is um, we see a lot more of Coruscant, um, which again, continuing from Episode One, um, in the prequel, one, one thing the prequels do uh, better or at least do more of than the original trilogy, is that we see more of the standard way of living in the galaxy. Like, we're, the, the action is not limited, is not restricted to um, weird backwater military outposts. Like, we, we see the capital of the galaxy, and we see um, the literal stratification. Like, literally, like, the the senators live in high-rises, and the, the bar patrons and the bounty hunters and the riffraff of the galaxy slum it in, like, the entertainment district... With these neon lights and everything. And um and even during the chase scene actually we see like industrial areas. Like yeah. Zam, Zam tries mm-hmm. to lose the Jedi by um zipping through like like a foundry or something.
1: Yeah, there's all the, these, these gas flares. It's I think a lot of this scene and like a lot of Coruscant in general is pretty like Blade Runner inspired. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. even like even like the yeah, where the senators are, like the the art deco kind of style. I mean, we see that in um in blade runner like when he goes to the wealthy heiress person i actually don't remember shit about blade runner but like his love interest like her like where she lives that's somewhat art deco inspired and then when you you know go to the surface uh level of the planet where there's the city that they you know try and find zam as as she escapes on foot um, yeah, it's very like Tokyo, neon lights, billboards, um, yeah, seedy underbelly, just like the, you know, the surface level of the, of earth in in Blade Runner.
0: And they chase her into like a sports bar that looks just like half the shitty sports bars I used to know in Boston. So like, it's, <laughs> it's very true to life folks. Um, yeah, there's also, robots
1: playing like star Wars football.
0: Yeah. There's, on there's actually the TVs and there's actually a pod race on of the TVs too, which is kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, that's right. Nice little continuity there. Um, Also, obviously, that sports bar is where we meet the best Star Wars character of all time, Elan Sleez Bagano himself. Right. (laughs)
1: Yeah, selling his death sticks.
0: Yeah. Um, And another question Which again
1: shows that Obi Wan and Anakin are cops because Obi Wan tells him to get his life together. He uses the Jedi mind trick on him and he tells uh, Elan Sleez Bagano he doesn't want to sell him death sticks and that he's going to rethink his life and that's some cop shit do drugs folks
0: and um, i'm I'm gonna i've already outed myself as like the most insufferable self-hating star wars fan but like the (laughs) Wikipedia entry on death sticks and like a lot of the writing in the supplementary material on death sticks it's weirdly uh (laughs) moralistic it's like death sticks are a common drug found in the galaxy blah 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 they shorten the user's lifespan blah 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 Um, but like, it'll be written to like, with something to the effect of such, such like brief euphoria, however, has like, carries a terrible price for the user. Like it it drastically shortens their lifespans, blah, 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 blah. And like, yeah, that, that might be true in the confines of your, of your constructed universe here, but like drugs are not inherently awful in like putting such a weird spin on it it i don't know maybe maybe i'm reading too much into it but it's just funny that like they some some enterprise in wikipedia like like typists just took it upon themselves to like put this put this uh, after school special (laughs) psa spin on it
1: yeah i mean i guess that's fair because again given you know the text itself they are called death sticks i mean the moralism is is baked in
0: they're called death sticks by the by the big pharma propagandists of the galaxy <laughs> far, far away.
1: Yeah, I wonder if that's uh, actually their their real name. Mm. If that's like a slang like street name for the actual drug.
0: It's probably called like Luminescent Butterfly in Hattice or something. <laughs> anyway, another cool aspect of Coruscant anyway. in this movie is um, uh, Dexter Jetster's 50s diner
1: yeah the first and possibly only italian character in the star wars universe (laughs) at least in the film franchise um
0: yeah he is he totally is it's he's dexter jetster tends his his grill while waiting to hear back from the star wars uh sopranos um casting agent because he wants a walk-on part (laughs)
1: Yeah, he would. He would definitely um, be someone who gets whacked immediately. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, or, buddy. Or he would pow. be like Artie, basically. Like
0: <laughs> that's good. Buka, yeah, that's, that's good. Um, <laughs> oh my god, Zamweisel! burned down Dexter Jester's original restaurant because Django <laughs> Django Fett wanted to do a hit there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is better than the film, folks. This is.
0: It <laughs> But uh that that is cool. That that's like I think Dexter Jetster is one of the few working class Star Wars characters that I can think of. Um
1: Yeah, I mean there's like Wado as well. I guess he's working class to an extent. He, but I he, don't know, he's a slave owner, fuck he's him. He's
0: a slave owner, he's a business he's a landlord, he fuck him. Um Yeah,
1: yeah. That's true. And I mean again not, business is bad, folks. Not that we Any w- size business is bad. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> not that we want like Star Wars to pedantically plot along, like, our, our specific political, like, perspective. I mean, I kind of do, but. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's
1: just be honest. <laughs> There's hey. way too much shit for reactionaries in this world. There's yes. way too much shit for yes. centrists in this world. Okay. Like, okay. I would like something for me.
0: Okay. um, And this is, again, why episode eight, uh, The Last Jedi, is really good, because it has Rose, who's a mechanic, as one of the main characters. Yeah, that's true. Um, yep. We, we that need pissed more. off a
1: lot of chuds. Mm-hmm. Not because um, she was a mechanic, obviously, because they're fucking racist and misogynistic, but...
0: Yeah, but I'm I'm sure her prole origins didn't help, or didn't hurt in that regard. Yeah. Uh, what else in Coruscant? One thing on Coruscant that I, I really do dislike, and they could have done a lot better, and I'm kind of shocked that they dropped the ball so much on this, is the Jedi Temple sucks.
1: Oh my god, it's awful.
0: It it looks like an Apple Store. It, it's really... <laughs> yeah. it's, it. I get that they wanted to make it space age, but like... If there was ever a location in Star Wars where like you should go back to nature and like maybe have some high tech aspects to it, but really like emphasize the natural world, it's the Jedi Temple. <laughs> like Like just go completely completely like rip off like the most stereotypical Zen Taoist like conception like Western conception of those of those traditions and just make it like a stone temple with like a babbling stream going through it. Like even even yeah. that even that reductive level would have been better than like I don't know like Steve Jobs orgy room.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it was interesting that it's actually in Coruscant, within you know the capital of of the Republic. Like it, it just yeah. it um it's it's just really. Uh, evident that the Jedi are just like this nationalistic construct right yep. I mean we talked about this in the previous episode it's crazy that the Jedi's jurisdiction is mm-hmm. only within the confines of the Republic like if they are these Taoist space wizards you know with the, the all these skills and you know this this mediation and it's like it, why would that be tied to just this nation state? Uh, and the fact that like their headquarters is in the fucking capital as well.
0: It would be like if St. Peter's Basilica was in D.C.
1: Yeah, right. It's right. It's it's know. just absurd. It,
0: um, at, better idea. They could have had the Jedi Temple be on like a moon or make it a space station. Around right. That's Coruscant. what I
1: was, I was going to say. Should, right. Why does it have to be in Coruscant? Like, is it the city of Coruscant? Like, what is it?
0: Coruscant is the planet. In, okay. um, and what's the city? The the city cover literally covers the entire planet. covers the it, whole it's, planet. It's okay. in ooh. Th- this is the term for the episode. It's in ecunopolis, which wow. is which is a planet wide city. It's huh. it it obviously doesn't exist in real world, in real life, but it it is a venerable one sci-fi day trip. folks.
1: One day it was so,
0: One day, God, <laughs> be, uh, Elon Musk willing one day. Uh, really really quick, uh, just pronunciation uh, correction. It is ecumenopolis. E C U M. E n o p o l i s, and I spelled it out because it has the word come in it.
1: <laughs> wow, thank you.
0: Ecumenopolis. Um, there we go, folks. Uh, doing some <laughs> doing some vocab today.
1: Yeah, the the last thing I want to say about Coruscant is uh, they the best shot of this film is on Coruscant. Actually, like I mean, honestly, there's almost no indelible shots within any of the prequels. Um, it's George Lucas is not the best director, yeah. Um, and I don't know if he has different cinematographers for all three, but, I mean, cinematography doesn't stand out either, Um, but for me, my favorite shot in this film is uh, during the chase sequence when Anakin and Obi-Wan are are chasing Zam. Uh, Obi-Wan is, like, hanging from the droid that she had used to try and assassinate Padme, and he's weaving in and out between all these different um, hover cars. And uh, Zam is like standing on a building. She's backlit by this like very vibrant holographic billboard. right? Uh, and she's like pointing her sniper rifle at obi One. It's just like medium shot. It's just, it's a quick shot too, but like, I, I don't know. Yeah. It just look cool. Yeah. And honestly, like nothing else looks as cool as that <laughs> in this whole movie.
0: <laughs> well, I like when all the Jedi light up, light up their sabers at the Geonosian <laughs> arena. um but yeah the the whole plot of this movie is essentially obi-wan is a beat detective researching a mystery and anakin and padme have this supposed romantic tension um that brings them together despite their commitments and um neither neither aspect really works um the Obi Wan tracks down Django Fett to Camino. And Camino has kind of a cool look. It's like a very like on the outside, it's like the stormy water world on the inside of the of the Camino buildings. Um they're very sterile, like eerie, softly lit, but softly but like very brightly lit. Um very traditional like fifties sci fi aesthetic. Um
1: They have like the egg chairs from Men in Black.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Except they're <laughs> hanging from the ceiling as opposed to being affixed to the floor.
0: Right, yeah. And everything looks, looks like cum, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Covered in cum. Which, which is. <laughs> <cum-ino>. <laughs> oh, which Which makes sense because they're, they're pumping out babies, right? They're pumping out cum oh, babies. That's right. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. Oh, my Christ.
1: God. So, yeah. So, Django, that's all he does all day. It's just like, sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's also. Cause- he doesn't need to fuck. He just jerked <laughs> up all day. Oh my god. The kid actor who plays Boba is as bad as everyone says Anakin was in episode one.
1: Yeah. That's fair. He he,
0: he has like all all due all do respect and all due consideration to child actors who are like press ganged into this shit by their overbearing stage parents. But like that kid just awful, awful line readings. Yeah. I,
1: I like the guy who played uh, Django actually. He's, yeah, he's um, he's good. good. Tamara Tim,
0: yeah. Morrison. Shout out to um, probably the most famous Maori uh, actor from New Zealand.
1: Yeah, yeah. Outside of like uh, now Taika Waititi.
0: He's more of a director.
1: Yeah, but he also acts. I mean, sure, sure. He, okay, he acted yeah. in a lot of his his own films as well.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, but yeah, at, at at that time, Tamira Morrison was definitely the the face of Maori acting. Oh, um,
1: definitely. Yeah, I mean, I don't think like, YTT had made films until a few years after that, with like Eagle versus Shark.
0: Sure. So. Sure. Um, but yeah, the I'm I'm kind of split on the inclusion of the Mandalorians here. Like Django, um, Django Fett does everything that the the fanboys thought that Boba Fett was in the original trilogy. Because Boba Fett in the original trilogy is, is such a cipher. Um, he looks cool, but, like, he completely chokes when he tries to fight a Jedi, whereas Django actually beats Obi-Wan in their first encounter, in, in, in their encounter. Uh, and actually, th- this is the, probably the, the strongest point of disagreement uh, in <laughs> Procon history. Um, I'll let Lewis take this one away.
1: Yeah, so I actually enjoy the fight between Obi-Wan and uh, and Django. I always want to say Boba. I don't know. I just, because, like, they're dumb names and mm-hmm. like they're both dumb fucking characters. I just they're interchangeable to me. Why? Well, I, um, I mean, they're, they're there's clones, a green one the and a blue one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yes, that's true. I think. But, um, I, I think so for Gen- now on, I'm just gonna say blue one and green one.
0: <laughs> but I think the name Django refers to like that. That's like a
1: so the, the spaghetti western series.
0: Yeah, it's a spaghetti western name, and it has like that kind of history to it.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, it's the jazz singer Django Reinhold is is who okay. they got the um the Django series, the spaghetti westerns. Django, interesting. interesting. Um, Django Returns, Django's mother, Django's brother, Django's mom. I mean, no, that's it's not, not what they're called, but there's a thousand of them. Sure. Um, and then there's and, uh, Qu- Quentin yeah.
0: Tarantino who ripped up that shit for
1: us. right. Django Unchained, of course. Um, yeah. So, but it, yeah, it's interesting because like, uh, really. Django, no, again, fuck it, fuck. It's Boba. Boba is is based off of a different spaghetti western character. He's based off, you know, the man with no name, though. He's based off Clint Eastwood's man with no name from the Dollars trilogy.
0: Yeah, when he when he walks in, um, when he walks into uh, Cloud City and and Empire Strikes Back, uh, they they give him like a sound effect of of spurs as he walks, but he right. doesn't, he doesn't wear anything like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And then his little cape is kind of like the serape. That it, is, it
0: is, yeah. It actually, it's the same. Um, it's the same pattern and everything. So
1: yeah. So you know, it's an interesting character. I, I don't want to shit on these characters too much, um,
0: especially from a strictly design standpoint. Like, it, it's kind of it's kind of in vogue as as like a woke Star Wars nerd to like say, oh, Boba Fett. The fans just like him because he looks cool. Blah blah. He has no death. blah, Blah blah. Which is true, but like. He he's just a background character. He's he's like a tertiary background antagonist and from a design perspective, he he hits that pretty well. And like that's all you need.
1: Django is just the um the more like sterilized version of of Boba though. Right. Of course. Right. Which is you know, which is what you could say about the prequels in general. Yeah. Uh you know, like the prequels are just the sterilized version <laughs> of the originals. Yes. Um and then the Disney stuff is like trying to ape the grunginess of course of the originals because they take place after the originals um but also you know kind of falls in the trap of being very very sterile um so yeah Django and boba are a land of contrasts and uh wait oh yeah and we were talking about import- the fight scene
0: importantly um i dislike this fight scene i think <laughs> this is the. <laughs> oh yeah i like it yeah it yeah. hates it uh it, it i don't hate it it's just like it's it's so y It's like, oh, look at Django. He's using all of his Mandalorian weapons. He has guns. He has a jetpack. He has a missile launcher. He has a grappling hook, and um, it's shot really weird. Like that. The, I'm, I'm stealing this directly from Regulator Media, but like they. Oh my god. Well, nope. it's it's it's, 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 edit, a, it's edit. a edit. We're cutting this. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a germane. It's a germane point. Every time in these movies that somebody drops their lightsaber. There's a quick shot to the lightsaber clattering to the ground, like like literally like like it, it happens three like two or three times in this fight alone. It happens like yeah. It happens during it the happens Count Dooku duel. Yeah. It happens mm-hmm. when when Mace Windu fights Jango. Like we don't need to see where the lightsaber falls. It's a very weird directing tick.
1: Yeah, I think it's just like that's. That's Hollywood cinema direction and editing. Like, that's kind of par for the course, honestly. Like, sure, sure. I mean, um, and this might actually be the the term. Now, of course, you gave your term exocomo oh, oh, whatever. Come planet. Come planet. <laughs> Ec-
0: but ecum- ecum- ecumenopolis.
1: Ecumenopolis, right. Yeah. But uh, so my film term can be coverage. Okay. Um, so coverage
0: cover- is. Come coverage. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh.
1: <laughs> this is the most cum-centric episode we've <laughs> had so far.
0: It's because it's, it's about birthing clones and and being Volcel.
1: <laughs> so coverage is a term in 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 film technical film lingo. Um, it, it regards the shooting of a scene and how many times you have to shoot it and what camera angles. Basically, interesting. Um, so most scenes of of any Hollywood film are shot. Dozens of times from different angles. Um, yeah, I can so imagine. you know, an, an actor does probably fi- can can possibly do, especially in a Hollywood blockbuster, maybe fifty takes for just one scene, maybe more. Honestly, maybe like less like in because... cases like
0: Attack of the Clones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, as, as it's possible with with digital that like they have to do fewer takes because they're not even actually in the fucking scene. Sure, sure um but so an editor probably saw the coverage that lucas had of these these battles and you know i'm sure lucas was like yeah i guess or maybe a second unit director or a third unit director will say yeah let's just film the the lightsaber clattering away in case we need that just because it's ingrained in how they direct and and how they shoot things interesting um it's like you really literally will have every kind of shot um so those are like punch-in shots these like close in close-up shots that show you some very specific detail very specific action you know like if someone's like reading a phone book like sometimes you'll have a punch-in shot that's a close-up of like the person's finger on you know the names in in the in the phone book yep um you know phone books are uh things that had uh, (laughs) these books that had (laughs) people's phone numbers in them
0: uh yeah for all all of our 10 year old listeners right now um
1: (laughs) but yeah so i think that's why that happens i think coverage is just like such a big part of hollywood like and an editor will be like yeah you know what maybe the audience will wonder where it goes it's stupid i I agree but I i think it's just like that's how it that's how it works
0: sure uh and that's probably the easiest most accurate explanation i mean um, but don't let yeah. Lewis- take that
1: red letter meteor. Fuck you. Yeah, fuck you guys.
0: <laughs> but don't let our confrontational attitude and Lewis's um, impressive film knowledge detract or d- distract from the uh, notion that he's trying to defend this shitty fight scene. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm deflecting here. Sorry, guys. De- deflecting like Obi-Wan. Does. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
0: I do like the, the duel with Mace Windu. It's um, shorter and more brutal. But we, we can get to that because... Um, we didn't even talk about the oh my god we didn't even talk about the romance between Anakin and Padme the central right yeah the central drama of this of this movie um yeah
1: there's the there's the scenes on Naboo and then there's the scenes on Tatooine as well um i guess we have to talk about those yeah so Briefly, Anakin please. uh <laughs> says that he dreams about Padme every day for 10 years basically since um we last see them together in in the Phantom Menace uh, it's super fucking creepy. He's a creep every minute he's on screen with her, um, but somehow she also falls in love with him.
0: I mean, we we have a a Volso icon we, and we have an Incel icon in this movie. We have Anakin as yes. the Incel, and just it, it, it kind of just occurred to me that like maybe our more normal listeners don't know, but Volso and Incel mm-hmm. <laughs> means voluntary cel- voluntarily celibate and involuntarily celibate, respectively. Um, they are internet terms. They kind of come from the, just to put aside the sarcasm for a second, the very sexist and very um, toxic spheres of, of men's rights activist spaces online um, who take the perspective that women owe men sex in kind of like a sexual economy. Um, it, it's a very fucked up way of looking at human interaction and sexual relationships, of course, um, but the dirtbag left has kind of like appropriated these terms um, quasi-ironically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to refer to themselves, and, and I mean, we're we're being sarcastic, but also a lot of the tendencies of both Jango Fett and Anakin come out as Volso and, and Incel, respectively.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and to peel back the sarcasm again, I mean. Um... I don't know really much about like the Volcel community. I know it exists online, but the incel community online is um probably one of the more toxic um internet spaces and, and groups. Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, there there have been real world shootings, um, you know, mass shootings, uh Elliot, Elliot by, Roger is yep, the Elliot example. Rogers yeah. is, is the is the most well known example of uh someone who, you know, um themselves an incel and um and shot people because, um, you know, he, he, he specifically targeted a, a sorority house. Um, but interesting about that story is he actually wasn't able to kill any of those sorority girls because uh, they didn't answer the door. Uh, he just shot random people on the street. He didn't even know the people in the sorority house. Um, it's it's it is a it is a politics, if we can call it, that um, the incels of aggrievement yep. of aggrievement um, without yep. any actual you know um, real world slights against them. Um, it is all in their head, more or less. Yep. Um, you know, so um, procon is anti incel for sure again no sarcasm here yes, Fuck fucking yes. sells yes um and anakin this is where the sarcasm comes back i guess yes. <laughs> in our irony bro tendencies but yeah anakin is is the most fucking incel character in all of these movies
0: and, the, and this is really fascinating actually um and george lucas himself has said this so it's like the, the highest tier of canon um jedi are allowed to fuck jedi really? jedi are allowed to have dispassionate sexual encounters they can hmm. they cannot fall in love but they can have sex so like wow i mean that doesn't really manifest anywhere else as far as i'm aware in like any material um of course like in the expanded universe once once luke reestablishes the jedi order they can fall in love and, and have kids and have sex and everything but as far as i'm aware that doesn't really exist anywhere else so it's like Basically, it's it's strange that these, like, sexual politics and, like, these this this weird sexual, like, psychosis that Anakin is clearly manifesting. Um, that, that's another weird little wrinkle that, like, why didn't you mention that in the movie? Because that would be, like, a really <laughs> fascinating psychosexual, like, kink to put in there. Um, but, yeah, th- they're not allowed to fall in love. They're not allowed to pursue a relationship, even though... Apparently there are these star-crossed lovers and they have zero chemistry. It's it's really bad.
1: Yeah, no, I was uh, I was baffled by that. I I I seem to have remembered like that it was a more organic relationship. Um, wow. Yeah, he. J- I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe because I was a just a young child. A, young, who, a youngling. A youngling who be- believed in in romance. A youngling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yingling don't buy that beer folks that guy is an asshole. Yeah, guy's a chud. He fuck him. Yingling. Yeah, total chud, fuck him.
0: Uh <laughs> kill all Yinglings like Anakin kills all younglings. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my god. <laughs> um but yeah, no, it's it's not an organic romance It comes out of nowhere. Um it's the the like the scene in which um they they confess or i don't even know if she confesses her love for him during the scene but he confesses his love in in numerous uh plot beats in this scene but like when they're on naboo um does she ever say like i love you there or does is, is she say it later no she's she, like
0: he he's he, he's really pushing for it and um she only gives in when they're about to die on geonosis
1: right right before they go into the coliseum right
0: yeah after they after they meet up with Obi-Wan because Obi Wan gets captured during the course of his investigation. Um Right. Yeah, that's very weird. And also another another funny little production note that I have seared into my memory. Um the very the the, the revealing black leather borderline S and M outfit that, oh, yeah. that Padme's wearing mm-hmm. on like this like very sexy fireside like like, very sumptuously lit scene, which, like, Anakin is like confessing his love to her, and like, her, her bosom is heaving, and she's like, We can't do it. And she's like, tempting him. That dress was designed by Lucas himself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, we know at least one person Jeez. connected to Star Wars who is not in Zelda, Cell <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um,.
1: Yeah, the 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 courtship scenes on Naboo are just really forced. Um, oh, yeah. There's one part where they're in a field, so they're they're at like this um, retreat, palatial you know. mal-, mal mansion retreat. Yeah, um, and uh, they're they're in this field, and there's like these big like tick looking aliens.
0: Oh, that... uh, I think they're they're not they're not the fun buses. There's something else. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, they're really
1: fat things. They have big giant fat
0: asses.
1: <laughs> Yeah, they have giant fat ass Look like engorged ticks basically. Um he he like he starts riding one and yeah. then he falls off and pretends to be hurt yeah. so then he can like grab her and like wrestle with her on the ground. So awkward. Um and then when they're at dinner, like there's like a space pair or something mm. and he like uses the force uh just to like cut it, oh, basically. Like, yeah, it's so <laughs> weird.
0: This movie's so strange and um the oh, and the way they leave Naboo is—it's so contrived. Like Anakin's mom on Tatooine, he, he's having like forced nightmares of his mom.
1: Forced wet dreams. Force...
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what it seems it like. Does. <laughs> and... <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Week. <laughs>
0: Um. It 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 just it's another testament to like the poor the poor planning of of this film in particular because like I find it hard to believe that the Jedi would never have gone and rescued. Shmi from slavery. In like ten years that Anakin has been training. Or even even like Padme because supposedly she's really wealthy right like why didn't you just buy Shmi and free her
1: right I mean if she's the fucking queen. And then yeah. even though she becomes a senator afterwards. Senators I mean, are rich
0: enough to, to buy and free a yeah. slave. Like that's.
1: You would assume. I mean, given the fact that she's able to just go back to Naboo, get this like palatial retreat. Yeah, it's 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 crazy that she doesn't like that. That's not a plot beat earlier. But again, I mean, the reason is because the people who wrote this are dum-dums right. and they needed, you know, this this um, dark side temptation. And the dark side temptation is Anakin's mom, Shmi, being captured, tortured and, and you know, in Im- some other stuff implied, definitely, mm-hmm. um, and we have to have Anakin have this moment where either he just goes and rescues her, or he goes rescues her and kills all the Tuscan Raiders who who um, kidnap her. And spoiler alert, shocker, folks! <laughs> uh, like he goes and he kills everybody. Um, there's and there's a lot of weird dialogue around the Tuscan Raiders in this film more Very... than probably any Star Wars film. Yep. Where um, so. What happens is they go to Tatooine, and um, we we see our boy Watto again. Uh, <laughs> the Toydarian old uh, triple junkers. triple Watto. <laughs> yeah, he, he is. I would say his characterization is almost more anti-Semitic this time around than previously. Um, Definitely, he looks like worse for wears. Yep. Um, his like stubble under his chin is longer uh there's like flies buzzing around him he's like in this like fugue state almost yeah it's... Uh, and like he's talking about money way more like that's all he talks about in this scene um
0: yeah,
1: and so basically like he he's he has sold sh- me okay to, really really
0: quick just to just to put to find what little good we can in the, in this trash because that's supposedly <laughs> the essential <laughs> reason for this, here, for this right. goddamn podcast. Um, there is one line he has where, like, he recognizes Anakin for the first time. And he's like, Annie? Little Annie? That was, like, kind of a... Like, like this guilty... I mean, it's a fucking CGI cartoon, but, like, this guilty... <laughs> like, the, 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 this, like, kind of stunned, guilty reaction from him. Memo- like, nostalgia mixed with, like, regret that, like, his, his former slave is, like a goddamn Jedi that's, like, so powerful and, like, influential. That that was kind of a, a nice, like, humanizing little moment.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I think that's fair. Um, I liked his hat, too. It was very much like a Don Quixote hat. His
0: hat, I think it was the uh, top dome of one of the pit droids. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: I read somewhere that a lot of people were saying that it was, like, supposed to be, like, a yamaka. <laughs> yeah, someone someone oh my wrote God. Um, I forget who wrote, like some oh. reviewer wrote um, about how it was like kind of reminiscent of a yarmulke. I think that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, like I think yeah. the character is so anti-Semitic already, like they, they
0: wouldn't go that far. And, and, and also like he wasn't wearing it at all in episode one.
1: Yeah, he doesn't wear it in episode one. He just wears it here. I think, again, to show that he's kind of gone, like, crazy.
0: Also, spe- speaking with the obviously racist characters from the- these fucking movies, um, <laughs> there's this part where Newt Gunray, the leader of the Trade Federation, is with another Neimoidian, and the other Neimoidian speaks, and it is, like, a very non-Asian like Asian caricature accent. Like, Newt Gunray is obviously... He's, he sounds like a, like a racist Asian caricature. Right. But then the other Neimoidian is, like... We have to get the starships back into space. It sounds like completely different. Like, the voice is like <laughs> markedly different than, than Newt Gunras. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I find it interesting that uh, Kleeg Lars, the, the moisture evaporator farmer that purchases and, and frees Schmi, did like this weird Thomas Jefferson move where he, like, buys. He, <laughs> he did. He, he buys someone, uh, frees her, marries her and um he's also kind of an,
1: well you know, i jefferson never never married sally hemmings just put that out
0: there sure and I'll, the only reason cleague married me is because she's white that's why he felt comfortable doing it yeah um, probably uh fuck thomas jefferson um but cleague cleague Lars is kind of a contemptible figure in and of, in and of himself too because he's like he's like this colonist who who refers to the tuscan raiders as animals that walk like men like like yeah. the 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 line is, like, crazy. He's like, they look like men, but they act like beasts or something. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's exactly it. Yeah, it, again, to to really read deeply into the completely unintentional politics of this film, it's interesting that, like, individual action that focuses on saving, like, one particular slave from the evils of slavery, um, and then, like, casting it as, like, developing this relationship, just e- even though... The neoliberal does that there, they, there, there is still this hierarchy of um of of like the other of like the alienated other beneath them that is still maintained despite their principled um objection to slavery and like the the, the, the freeing of this one person. so like no matter what if and I'm not putting the onus on Cleeg to like liberate all slaves and destroy the institution of slavery throughout Tatooine. To continue with the metaphor, but it, the metaphor only illustrates the, the essential um, unchanging hierarchy beneath um, this individualized view of oppression, because you, you can only eliminate true oppression by upending the hierarchy of control that is uh, abetted by capital, by, that is abetted by the, the literal purchasing of people. Because there will always be the individualized other that are oppressed by your own um, moisture evaporator or farming project.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, the yeah, the politics of this film uh, <laughs> are
0: revolutionary, <laughs> and <laughs> they uh,
1: yeah, they don't really account for a lot of this stuff. Um, uh, although you know, I think it's subconscious american imperialism of yes. course i think is yes. is what is the 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 thrust of this film you know even within this alone uh, to just to piggyback off what you're saying you know um the the tuscan raiders are are the perfect you know one to one uh allegory here for like the, the way the the colonists of places like Virginia, the Carolinas, and so forth, and, you know, especially Western expansion, the Raiders are basically, you know, the the Native Americans, the indigenous Americans, um, you know, who are now mostly living on reservations or, you know, live within, you know, quote-unquote society. Um, But, you know, their numbers were reduced because of genocide in this country yep. um, but to have um, you know to have this uh, this other uh, is is important for the the mythology of America and it's uh, I think important for even the mythology of these films because you know you you have um, for specifically this film and specifically you know the thrust of Anakin's narrative um, you have uh, you know you have this slavery which again it's not really all that important and you can have these you know heroic characters like Clee Larson who free one individual slave um, but you also have you know the 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 true other the true uh, the savage I mean right yep. I mean that's that is
0: and this opens up a really interesting uh, aspect of, of fan culture um, definitely really endemic to Star Wars fan culture but represent it but it's common to all fandoms um the the died in the world star wars fan would reply that like that we're we're being ridiculous and that we're reaching because we we see in the film that the tusken raiders do capture beat torture rape people like of course they're like that like it, it we're being too sjw we're, we're being too pc by like objecting to the rights of like a truly savage culture that that is like that in universe but the obvious response to that objection is that they were written like that. Like they, they like this stuff does not actually exist. Like the, 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 this is one of the, I mean, just to to touch on one of the, the conversations from the episode one episode, the Phantom Menace episode. One of the reasons I dislike the term world building is like, it postulates that this setting, this fictional setting exists in the story has the, the plot and the characterization of the story has to fit within that setting rather than completely the, the other way around. Cause that is how these, how like fiction exists. Like,
1: No, definitely. I mean, it, um, the problem with world building, I think that you and I have is that, you know, most fans of any um, very elaborate story, be it star Wars or Lord of the Rings or George R. R. Martins. I don't know what the fuck that trilogy or that, Bunch of books is called song of Ice
0: and Fire*.
1: The, is that what it's called? Is that what the saga is called? The book, the books, um, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, there's uh, everybody. It's purported that these things exist in a vacuum, basically, right? I mean, it's like you know when when fans want to acknowledge that these um, these these franchises come from the real world, it's always the, the positive aspects, right? Like, you know, um, people say with uh, Song of Ice and Fire, like, oh, it's the War of the Roses, and, like, it's smart that he did this, that he grafts a more fantasy story onto the War of the Roses. Or, you know, people say, like, uh, about Star Wars, like, oh, you know, like, uh, the Endor fight scene is uh, very, very very reminiscent of, like, Vietnam or something, you know, it's or, or that even just the original trilogy is a commentary on Vietnam. Um, but it's always these things again are always postulated that there's these these influences as to why these are you know these positive and and very smart you know um texts but um a lot of times people don't want to grapple with the reality that there are real world implications and real world influences that plague the source material that contribute to the more toxic aspects of it like where people like Nick was saying, that fans will just say, well, Lewis, you're a crazy SJW because, uh, you know, Tusker Raiders, um, canonically, if you look at a uh, book, you know, whatever, in the expanded universe, uh, it has this detailed uh, backstory for them and it shows you their customs and, yeah, they're just barbaric, but it's like, okay where does that come from did just some random asshole write that no like they 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 took you know um native american the how native americans are viewed in like you know westerns or any film or literature since like i mean the fucking like 1800s basically uh and and grafted that onto the story without actually like you know interrogating these notions so Um, that's a long winded way of saying the Tuscan Raiders are the true heroes of this film. (laughs) Yes. And they have the right to kidnap people. They have the right to kill people because it's their fucking land.
0: I find it really interesting that, I mean, we're, we're kind of going in order and like going off on tangents, but I find it interesting that most of our politics discussion, like most of our discussion of the film itself, like focuses on the first two thirds of the movie. And like, we're, cause like, the the last third of the movie it's just empty battle spectacle after empty battle spectacle and it's like one long extended fight scene um after anakin and padme try to go save obi-wan and like we get the clone we get the droid army and then we get the jedi army and then we get the clone army and it's literally just people running at each other with like laser guns and and lightsabers and um i don't know it, it feels this movie ends very like chaotically and very weird
1: yeah it seems like they um just they they really fleshed out the the first and and second um acts of this film and then third act they were like you know what i think people will just want to see a battle scene and and then some light and then two lightsaber fights basically um which you know they're not wrong for the majority of star wars fans uh that is what they want to see uh but yeah I, i think it's sloppy by the time we get to this point, we have had a lot of action sequences. Um, and like you said, yeah, it is just action sequence after action sequence. Um, once we arrive on Geonosis, um, there's the, the droid factory action scene. Yes. Um, where Anakin, Padme, R2-D2, and, and, and C-3PO, um, who they, they get in, on Tatooine, um, are all um, in this, this droid foundry, basically. And um, they have to like, fight their way out of it fighting the actual like equipment that makes the droids and then fighting like the geonosians yeah. as well uh and then that gets uh, they get captured that which then um is the Colosseum scene where they fight the um oh what's the name of the aliens there um the, the beasts the beasts the nexu the, the
0: nexu is the the tiger the reek yeah. is the rhinoceros and the accolade Ak- Ak- yep. Ak- is the crab
1: yeah I thought it was more of like a crab praying mantis thing.
0: The, more than just a the crab. insect is a crab. Mhm.
1: Yeah, so then there's the Colosseum scene which um is is like this yeah this like gladiator gladiator versus like animal beast scene and then that turns into um robots versus jedis.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's um, so I mean I, uh, of course I, I was in love with that scene when I was a kid but it it just n- not much happens like it, it's it's poorly shot. It's um The continuity of the action like it it it, it's just random scenes of random jedi doing cool moves and like there's very little flow to beats that happen yeah it's 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 very 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 jarring and very strange and like i don't know it 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 it, it wasn't hard to follow but like it, it there was no point to it like and, and that's kind of why I like the, the Mace Windu versus Jango Fett little tussle that they have when, when Mace Windu kills Jango. Because, like... I mean, Jango Fett jumps into the battle for no reason, but, like, once he does, you can kind of follow everything that happens. Like, he he tries to kill Mace Windu, Mace Windu dodges, and then the, the Reek attacks both of them. Jango Fett survives, but his jetpack breaks, and then Mace Windu charges him, and Jango can't escape because his jetpack is broken, and then he's dead. It's, like, the most cohesive little sequence in that entire battle
1: yeah no i think that battle like has a like a three-act structure in and of itself um so i I mean i get why you like that and um i would say the only reason that i like the camino fight (laughs) scene is because uh you know i do enjoy the more like well choreographed fight scenes in in the prequels and just in films in general um uh, and it, I think it's one of the better se- like well choreographed sequences. I mean, I think the best uh lightsaber fight is the Darth Maul yeah, lightsaber definitely. fight, definitely of of the prequels. Yeah. and then one of the better just like non lightsaber fights. Lightsaber, you know, is included in the fight. Is is the um is the Jango sure. and an Obi Wan fight. Um,
0: I think I've come around to it. It's it it, it definitely it. It, it it makes it makes sense like that yeah i can see it. i can see i can see your point
1: yeah but you know again like it it's all stupid like yeah it's it just it didn't it that's like that fight scene didn't have to happen honestly like they you're right it is it exists so it can show off the mandalorian gadgets
0: yeah. okay so again to to stick to our mission statement um the the good aspect of the geonosian arena battle scene like i can i can draw out is um it was trying to sh- it it could it could depict not only the militarization of the jedi but how ill equipped they are essentially to like be shock troops like that like like that is not their function they should be mediators they should be peacekeepers they should not be commandos and when they try to act like commandos they get their asses kicked
1: yeah i mean there is a real thinning of the herd yeah. uh, you, you know you go from what looks like at least a hundred Jedi to a few dozen yeah. by the end of the fight.
0: Yeah. I mean, all of all um, of our favorites from the Jedi console, like Ki-Adi-Mundi and flu and, uh, and Mace Windu.
1: <laughs> Kit Fistu, Kit F- another Kit favorite yeah,
0: The squid head. Yeah. He survives. Yeah. Um, but yeah, besides that, like they, they all get wiped out and um, I don't know. That's when Yoda charges in with the, with the clone troopers and the clone troopers, have their cool gunships. They have their they have their six legged assault walkers. They have all these things and like, and the the battle's so dumb that the clone troopers are in this huge enormous like battlefield facing the droids and they just run at each other, shooting at each other. <laughs> and like, talk about like poorly conceived and poorly shot action. Like literally of, of cartoons that you're making up of like the CGI things. You can do anything you want with them. You're not you're not limited to like the constraints of working with like a hundred extras, but like it's it's literally just like two big waves coming at each other, shooting at each other, and and that's it. Shit blows up.
1: Yeah, you know it's uh it's interesting. A lot of films, um, even more recently, you have uh, Avengers End Game, which at the end, um, right. I don't give a fuck about spoilers, but it is just like one faction versus the other faction, and there's like that clash in the middle, yeah. right? Like that is like a it's a common um trope you know we see in in cinema like you know these two opposing factions rushing at each other and and fighting but um yeah i don't know like that's exactly what we see on the naboo scene in in episode Mm -hmm. one like why would you just do it again as your as your denouement like that's that's just fucking lazy and
0: um i understand the idea that like these are hollywood films or or these to be extremely generous the the, this is art this is not like this is not like battlefield tactics this is not trying to be like a documentary or like a a realistic depiction of battlefield strategy um whatever makes more sense for the flow of the story in my opinion definitely supersedes accurate accurate tactics of of clone troopers and droids but like (laughs) you have to keep it within the realm of possibility you can't completely break the suspension of disbelief because that, that That's when, like, that suspension breaks, and it doesn't matter that it makes more sense of a story beat because it's just unbelievable. And it, it just asks too much of the audience.
1: Yeah. No, and, and this whole sequence, um, the whole Geonosis sequence just asks too much of us in terms of, like, paying, like, fucking attention. Yeah. Like, I just... I just I was on my phone for the majority of it. Yeah. Like, I just could not care. I, I just... It didn't matter to me. I was like, I know the Dooku fight is next, and, like, I know that actually has, like, a plot beat that matters, so I'll pay attention then. But there was really nothing interesting except showing off, like, just merchandise that kids could buy, like, the different ships. Like, that was really—that's the, that's the function of that scene.
0: This is something interesting. Um, apparently, in every Star Wars movie—in in every movie that George Lucas makes, he always includes the number 1138 somewhere which is, of course, a reference to his his very first movie, THX 1138. Um, THX is the name of his sound company that he founded um, to do the sound editing and the the sound effects for Star Wars. And 1138, um, it gets referenced in, like, I think, in A New Hope. They call it Cell Block 1138. That's where Leia's held or whatever. Um, In episode one, you can see 1138 on the back of a battle droid that Jar Jar pushes over at one point. Um, and in this movie, fans, maybe they found it by now, but, like, when this movie first came out, and I was reading, uh, trivia about it online, um, when Padme, when when they're chasing Dooku, and Padme falls out of the ship, and she rolls down a sand dune, the, the fucking maniac, Star Wars, like, insanity, maniac people online... They claimed that the the divots in the sand that she, that her body made as she rolled down the sand dune, no, spell out one one three eight. Yes, no, no, that's so stupid. So stu-
1: if anything, it spells like fucking fourteen eighty eight because like she's a fucking Nazi in this movie oh too. Oh god, I forget I forgot to mention this, but yep. like on fucking Tatooine after Anakin kills like all the Tusken Raiders and he's like, I had to do it. I was so angry. Like they're beasts. I had to kill them. She's like, well, what's she has. This is the exact line. She says, she says to be angry is to be human instead of like, Oh, you killed women and children, Tusken Raiders. You just like, it's okay to be angry. Sometimes she's like,
0: I mean, she's a, she's a neoliberal. She, uh, she cares about oppression only insofar as it affects her and her immediate her immediate um allies or or family or or little home turf planet that she is connected to but um there are hierarchies of otherizing people and and she she can otherize the brutal sand people, which is a kind of a racist name, not to think about it but she can she can yeah. otherize, otherize the sand people because you know her her boyfriend needed to kill them
1: right and then uh, to speak of otherization the geonosians i think are the other uh the other, other the other in uh in this movie. The lump in, lump in you know a, <laughs> you know because we we spoke about how in the first film the jedi are mostly just killing droids yep. so it's okay yep. you know although they are violent they are not killing anything right. um you know with human consciousness or with, with with sentience outside of ai more or less um but, yeah, so the Geonosians are kind of, like, these bug-like aliens. Um, and, again, like, the Jedi just slaughter them in mass. Like, and it's fine. You know, they still, they get to have the moral high ground um, because they get to kill just bug people. So it doesn't matter. As Anakin,
0: much. And, Anakin and Padme literally, like, break into their factory. And the Geonosians try to defend it. And Anakin is just, like, chopping them up left and right. It's, like, yeah. it's really stark. It's, like, he, he's just in invading their home <laughs> like they're trying to yeah and they're trying to sh- kill him for that and then he's just like chopping their heads off and shit yeah
1: he cuts like one right down the middle like and, like, a, like a mortal combat yeah it's like <laughs> it's like it's uh and again you know of course it's a lightsaber so it's not gory right because it cauterizes the wounds you know so there's not like blood spray everywhere that's
0: actually a really neat um a really a really interesting little aspect of the lightsaber the fact that it like cauterizes wounds instantly which makes it a very like PG marketable deadly weapon cuz Cause cause in in episode yeah. 4 when obi-wan cuts off ponda baba's arm in the cantina cuz he he's about to hurt luke right like you you the arm is bloody right um and of course subsequent or actually
1: there's blood in um force awakens as well
0: not from the lightsabers
1: is it from Blaster though? Like, doesn't um, isn't there blood on like um... Kylo Ren
0: is shot by Chewie's bowcaster?
1: Yeah, in that I think there's blood there. But isn't there blood on um John Boyega's like um Stormtrooper outfit as well? At one uh, point, because I remember like the the like a red blood spray against like his, his face. His yeah, white. that that yeah.
0: was done to differentiate him in that scene. But that yeah, that that's when the Stormtroopers are like brutalizing the village. So it could have it come from anything.
1: Yeah, it could have been, like, blunt force yeah. drama then, I guess. Okay, that's enough. Nice. Um,
0: but also, in, in Empire Strikes Back, when Han uses Luke's lightsaber to cut open the Tauntaun, he cuts it open. Right. It, the wound is not cauterized, which is interesting. I, that's not the first time I've thought of that, actually. But when Luke's hand gets cut off, it's cauterized and everything. So, yeah, all of yeah. which is to say, it's interesting that the lightsaber is sanitized like that. It, it allows for sanitized violence.
1: Definitely. Um, so, yeah, I guess... Um, one of the last things to talk about would be uh, Yoda being uh, a little fascist, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. like a little fascist He's wannabe. Completely unsympathetic um, in
0: this entire this entire in, movies.
1: Yeah, no, I like so he goes from just like being a dick to a child in the first one, and then like he gets a timeout and has to like teach younglings. Like he gets demoted and he has to like teach fucking younglings <laughs> in the second one. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> this community service. Is teaching fucking younglings how to like I don't know, like deflect like fake nerf d- darts or something. Also, bullshit. fucking fucking um, dialogue
0: and incons- inconsistency. Everyone makes fun of calling them younglings in episode three, but in episode two, when Anakin says that he kills all the Tusken Raiders, he says even the woman and the children. He doesn't say younglings. That's right. Three yeah. screen three or four screenwriters my ass. They didn't have a fucking. worst star wars movie of all time besides force awakens yeah
1: oh yeah for sure um but yeah so yoda then like just becomes i mean i guess he's called general in the next film but like he just gets a battalion of of um of clone troopers in this one he's just giving them commands left and right like he just like totally revels it's
0: also hilarious that like he does his like cutesy little muppet yoda speak while giving like military orders Which, (laughs) apart from being, like, hilarious in the face of it, it's so fucking inefficient. It's like when you have to make, like, snap commands and, like, quickly respond to the changing, like, tides of war. He's, instead of saying, like, send a squad over there right now, he'd be like, "Mm, squad over there, send when you can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he should have been disqualified for doing it entirely. (laughs) Oh my god, um... Yeah, the whole Chris, the Christopher Lee lightsaber fight is boring as shit. You had a you had a you had a fight him with a lightsaber, a baby sized lightsaber is boring as shit. I don't know. And, and this movie ends with like a cool shot of uh, like Senator or Chancellor Palpatine uh, overlooking his battalions of clone troopers and like the ominous Imperial march comes up behind them, and it's supposed to be like warning of the of the monstrosities of war that lay ahead, but it's just, it, it's it's just like fascist fodder like all all the all the yeah. fascist clone trooper and empire fans out there probably jizz themselves again come uh when the scene happened <laughs>
1: <laughs> i know i did in 2012 like i mean or in 2002 when i was 12 yeah no um, I,
0: I was more of a jedi fan so like i guess jedi are they they either become neoliberals or derp. You, you you either die a neoliberal or become a dirtbag lefty <laughs> <laughs> If you're a jedi fan.
1: yeah I mean you know in in the next film um I do remember thinking like oh it totally sucks that all Jedi die because I had more like Jedi swag you know like I had the collapsible lightsabers. not like the ones that lit
0: up but like just the yeah the, the really cheap same. ones um
1: but yeah um, uh one
0: one thing uh that we didn't mention and th- this is all on you so I'll let you have this honor um the jar jar read for this movie.
1: Oh my God, yeah, this is we actually saved the yes. best for last folks. So um, for years, I've had this this um, this more generous read of Jar Jar. Um, I think textually he's always made sense to me. He is um, and this is a term that uh, people use more now on Twitter, but he is he is fascism's useful idiot. That is the character yep. of Jar Jar. You know, it's not like, I mean, I know George Lucas, that kind of what is he, he was, he intended the innocence being corrupted or whatever, but like he is just, he is fascism's useful yep. idiot. And I think it's also interesting that like he, he's a veteran, you know, he's a veteran of the Naboo war. And if you look at, um, politics specifically in America, but you know, kind of international politics, like veterans do hold like the certain status in, uh, society yep. and, um, they do generally like go on to government. I mean, um, so for years I was like, you know what? Jar Jar is John McCain, but John McCain was more of like an ideologue and, you know, like he was a a, a classic, like, you know, careerist military Mm -hmm. guy. Um, so my new read is that Jar Jar Binks (laughs) is Dan Crenshaw.
0: (laughs) Hell Yes. (laughs) Um, um also assisting this read is that uh padme's new security chief um captain typho he has an eye patch. oh yeah he has yeah. an eye patch. <laughs> so you, you take a little bit of captain typho you take a little bit of Jar, Jar bing strap him in a blender you get a a shit sandwich <laughs> or you get dan crenshaw which is a shit sandwich
1: um so dan crenshaw is a representative uh from texas i don't know which district doesn't matter um
0: thank you H- houston somewhere
1: yeah, I think you're right. It's a it's a wealthier yeah. area for sure. Um, yeah, because it's like gerrymandered to hell. So his yep. his like sliver that goes into Houston even includes like the the more like wealthy white areas yep. of Houston. Um, check out his district, folks. Actually, the gerrymandering uh, is real, and his district is gerrymandered to shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, one can argue that he is um, more of like a a willing fascist. I mean. Um, he he was a moderator of like a MAGA chud
0: Facebook. Oh my page god! Yeah, at one point, he's insane. He he's he's a piece of shit. He's yeah. he's a total piece
1: of shit. But he also is he is dumb. Yep. Like he is a dim-witted oaf um he his politics are not all that well defined besides just whatever the republican party
0: lines. but he he's like savvy he's like media savvy like he did the whole snl thing yes um like fucking mm-hmm. fuck snl snl got this guy elected when when the whole pete davidson thing yeah like and they had him come on to re to like oh we're gonna we're gonna make nice and like i'm I'm gonna forgive the guy who insulted me and we're gonna joke about it and i accept his apology but like this country this country is going to hell faster than the galaxy far far away folks and um we're, we're, we're just here to provide some <laughs> comfort along the way
1: yeah and to say uh fuck you dan crenshaw um if anybody has a problem with this we'll never apologize to yes. him he has more money than we'll ever have in our lives mm-hmm. um he
0: not if you not if is, you contribute uh, to our patreon folks <laughs>
1: yeah please defeat, do that defeat it's dan crenshaw now. we'll share it Give somewhere uh yeah <laughs> But you know, when he is in position of power. This is the man making the laws of this country, and he is he is helping uh, fascism, um, or you know, just the forces of reaction. If you don't want to get you know um, too hyperbolic
0: about it, it it's fascism. Um, but yeah,
1: <laughs> it's fascism. It's fascism. Uh, shocker, folks! It's fascism. Jar Jar Binks uh, is Dan Crenshaw. Confirmed. And
0: that is it for the attack of uh, clones that's it attack of the clones that's workers it. of note i think we can give this one a dishonorable mention um no one really i mean like yeah again honestly, just no token pain. shout out to george lucas why not that guy that pops up every so often
1: yeah that guy i don't understand it but he's he's always yeah. there uh and then i'm just gonna do it i'm gonna have to do it to you all sorry but i'm at best
0: <laughs> <laughs> shout out as I'm always made, quote unquote the best the
1: best um
0: yeah no th- this movie we there. There was cute. There was cute little nerd shit that I appreciated in this movie, but th- this was just a slug to watch. I, I had to watch it in two parts, and I hate doing that for, for any film, but I, I, I could not watch it in one sitting.
1: Yeah, I powered through it, but like I said, I was on my phone yeah. a lot. Good because there is a
0: lot of fodder yeah, in this good. movie. Um. So, broke recommendation. What do you got?
1: Uh, people who hated this film in two thousand two. Yep. Um, it was uh, easy to hate it. In 2002 because everybody was hating it so that's why it's our broke recommendation but what is our woke recommendation uh,
0: people who hate this film in 2019 because <laughs> because you're still gonna hate it but <laughs> i don't know as, as connective tissue between the first between episode one and episode three um kind of as, as a counterpoint to the, the the much better tartavosky uh clone wars series i guess uh it it sets it up so you can so you can enjoy that later. It's this this is the Brussels sprouts for the Tardovsky dessert.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: And uh, uh,
1: and our bespoke.
0: Yeah, I I was reaching for this one, but I guess like. Fashy clone clone trooper uh fans who have grown up and possibly gained a little more perspective and get all their politics from from fiction. Maybe they can pick up on the anti-authoritarian theme in this movie, but I doubt it.
1: Yeah. You know what? How about this? How about we make that the woke recommendation? Um, Basically to radicalize fascist clone trooper fans to the left, and then our bespoke recommendation is this film is an excuse to watch Genndy Taratovsky's animated Yes, yes, yes.
0: So in in true uh, Lucas fashion, we are ham-fistedly, retroactively – uh, changing something that we did in the past, <laughs> and and just completely ignoring any evidence of the contrary.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is it for episode twenty-one, yeah. folks. Um, thanks for sticking with us. If Jesus you have, Christ, thanks yeah. for joining us. Uh, if this is your first episode,
0: you, you listeners are the true veterans of the of our, of our very own Clone Wars.
1: <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week for uh, Star Wars Episode Three. See you then. Bye.